I'm Ben Clunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. We're two entrepreneurial professionals based in Spokane, Washington. Join us on our journey to make 2019 the most prosperous of our lives. We'll bear all as we strive to improve all aspects of our business and our health and fitness, as well as our relationships personally and professionally. We aim to offer impactful insight into our business and personal lives. We'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout our journey. With the ultimate goal of our business and fitness being in the best shape of our lives at the close of 2019. You are listening to the Ordinary to Extraordinary Podcast. Benny Boo, we're recording. Are we recording? Okay. We are. I like it. Welcome to Ordinary to Extraordinary. We're here on a Monday afternoon where fall basically officially started today, I guess. I heard that autumn kicks off today. Wait, is it actual official? I just meant because the weather changed. No, I think it was actually official, like the change to autumn today is what I heard on the radio this morning. But maybe they were just saying it like you were too, just kind of loosey-goosey. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well. So Ben, I need you to frame this for me. I can frame it. I was going to say, on today's podcast, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about vision casting and goal setting, because Stephen and I have alluded a little bit uh, on prior podcasts that we do kind of vision boards, vision casting, goal setting, and got a few people to reach out to actually both of us uh, individually. One guy I got to sit down with and share my actual vision board with him and some of the meaning behind it and what propels me to get through the tough times, and I believe Stephen has one as well. Uh, we were just saying before, neither of us actually shared our vision boards with each other, and maybe we'll do it on this podcast. Maybe we won't. We'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. But so today, we're going to talk a little bit about vision casting and goal setting. So there we are. You want me to tee it up? Yeah. Tee. Oh. I like it. So um, where did you start with vision board? Where did you get the idea? Why do you do it? How do you do it? Okay, I can. I, I, I got that. I got a little flustered there for a second. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> Inside joke. But okay, here we go. In the limelight. Oh, in the limelight. Uh, so with vision casting, it was something. Actually, when I think about it, I went back to it as a kid. I remember taking a wheel deals and real estate magazine and cutting pictures out of the homes that I wanted and the cars that I wanted, right? And I had my car and what I wanted my wife to drive. I know that sounds sexist. I'm picking up my wife's car. Sorry, it was on there. And and what I wanted my life to look like, at least from a materials standpoint, right? And uh, so I, I started doing it when I was a kid, honestly, just for kicks and giggles for whatever reason. And then it got obviously more serious when I started working and uh, I went to 10 Capital, and the guys there shared similar uh, concepts, visions, uh, whatever you want to call it in terms of how we go about motivating ourselves and, and building our practices, right? And so uh, the whole idea behind it, vision casting, at least for me, is to put things out there that remind you of why it is that you work hard and some of the things that you want to accomplish, be it a family vacation, be it intentional time with your spouse somewhere, be it no debt, you know, a lake home, buying the, the, your dream car, you know, wh- whatever it might be. I even have on there uh, a picture of a, a couple getting married and that's supposed to represent my son. That someday it's like, I hope to someday raise a successful human being who goes off and gets married and that I'm able to be in the financial place to be able to help uh, give them their dream wedding if that's what they want or help them uh, in some type of financial way that's meaningful, right? So a lot of the things on my vision board happen to be stem from, I want to be able to provide opportunities that people might not get otherwise, which are usually tied to financial, you know, you should make a deal with Weston that if he runs away and elopes to Vegas and gets married by Elvis, that you'll just give him a hundred grand because that's what his dream wedding's going to cost or her dream wedding's going to yeah. cost. And that's okay <laughs> if that's what it is. And I, if I have the ability to do it, I'd be, I, you know, I love to see people happy, right? And to be able to provide opportunities that they might not otherwise get. And so, if, financial, non financial, you know, I've got old cars. Sometimes people just want to ride in an old car. It's like to be able to have the old car to take someone on a ride that wants to ride in that old car is special to me too so it's creating and evoking i think emotions when you look at those pictures right that make you move forward i like that yeah 
and I guess where it started, it probably started for me as a child as well. I didn't do it similar to you in terms of being super serious with it, but it started for me as a child by having posters and pictures of my favorite athletes all over my yeah. room, right? Yeah, role models. We talked about the fact that you may, you're, you're an outlier in sales in general, Ben, and that you have zero athletic endeavor in your background, i.e. cross country, track, football, baseball, soccer. So, so I did sixth grade, base, I did softball in sixth grade, and I did a football camp for my sophomore year, but that was it. <laughs> then I figured out that it was the same week as we were supposed to be at the lake. I'm like, well, this sucks. But where I'm going with that is that I was surrounded by the people that I wanted to emulate, the, the places that I wanted to go. And I guess when, when it all boils down, in, in a sense, I failed because I wasn't a professional athlete. But then, in a sense, I succeeded because I made a living from this one of the sports that I love for 10, 12 years when I moved to this country. So it's kind of a... Um, I wouldn't change anything that's happened to this point, but my vision board, my uh, muses, if you like, were all professional athletes, whether that be Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, um, my favourite soccer players, football players. My room was like a who's who... Of, of athletes my mum also just recently told me on the phone that she found all of my cards and stuff as she was having a clear out in the loft and uh, asked if I wanted them still and I was like like well, old football baseball cards or something mostly basketball but there's a there's a lot of money in that collection seriously <laughs> it's start worth, selling some of that off it's worth some money and I was like sure yeah don't throw them out I, I think she's going to bring them over when she's over here next May and I'm, I'm actually really intrigued to see it all. It's been years since I've looked at it, to be honest. But yeah, that's kind of where my vision boarding kits kind of started. It was just professional athletes. I surrounded myself with them. Yeah. Um, had those goals. But and what's then, funny is a lot of the work ethic that those guys had to put in, I think you've taken and put it into your own, you know, quote unquote sport. Yeah. Your job, right? And, and playing soccer and stuff. I mean... I think some of that stuff does rub off on you more so than you probably realize. So I swear to God, you know, we, we talk before these podcasts briefly. We kind of come up with a concept. We talk briefly and then it's Ben goes and does some notes and I'll go and do some notes. And then we kind of just hit the button and go, right? <laughs> it's not like, yeah, let's talk about structure. Let's. It's authentic. It's real. It's raw. I, my top two notes are every day is a playoff game. So you just talked about what yeah. I do being a sport. Yeah. Um, and the Kobe Bryant mentality. Remember you wanted me to tee it up for you? So yeah. But it happens by accident. It's not like we set that up. No, we didn't. So it's just funny because <laughs> we come at things so differently, but we always kind of find a way to mesh it both together. Yeah. So yeah, that's funny. because of the core of it, right? The core yeah. of it's the same. But And and every day that's what I'm doing. When, when my feet hit the ground, I'm preparing for a playoff game. You know, I, I prepare every day the same and I, you know, try and win every single freaking day. Sometimes yeah. you don't win. Sometimes you do. Well, win. It doesn't always have to be a big win, right? Yeah, it's like it's, it's like win. every day if you just make an incremental small win, step in the right direction. It might not even feel like a win someday, and it might not even feel like a win until you look back a few weeks or a year down the road and be like, "Wow, mm-hmm. that day was actually instrumental." Like you look back at some days when you met somebody, you think of it, and you're like. That was just a day, and like that was actually a pretty shitty day. Because when I think back to what other stuff that happened, but then you met this person, and a year or two or three or five later, something happens that is like a big turning point in your life, and you didn't even realize that that day was meaningful. Yeah, and that's kind of I, I guess uh, coming back to the athlete thing, and uh, I, Kobe Bryant is literally just an amazing person from start to finish and I know that there were some allegations there near the end of his career whether that did or didn't happen I don't even want to talk about but when you take as you mentioned his work ethic his vision from when he was young I don't know if you've you've seen or heard the uh, Dear Basketball letter that he wrote nope and then he won an Oscar because that ended up being made into a short film, short animated film with music. But everything he's done, everything he's ever done, he's tried to hold people accountable. He's always had a vision of what he wants and he's put in the work to get it. He was the guy that was shooting a thousand shots at 4am, lifting weights. One of his recent interviews, he actually said that when the young guys would be like, hey, do you want to come out and party with us? He would make a deal with them. He would say, I'll come out and party with you but you have to train with me tomorrow. I'll do what you want to do, but you have to do what I want to do. And he's like, and it didn't matter that I felt like slapped ass the next day as I was shooting those shots and lifting those weights. So did he. And then he realized that 
I was where I was because of the things I did that he didn't do and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a little bit of that in there. Um, well, and that's something you and I talked about a little bit on the phone, right? Doing the things that other people don't want to do. And that's why you do these vision boards is to remind you why you do the things you don't want to do. Because there are definitely times where I told Steven, it's like every time I go to the gym, I think it's like I'm going to do something I don't want to do to get the results I want. It's like, I hate going to the gym, and it's not changing for whatever reason. I just don't like it. What do you hate more than being at the gym? While you're at the gym, what do you hate more than actually being at the gym? People with one-gallon milk jugs that grunt. That's not true. You hate taking pictures of yourself Oh, I hate gym gym selfies, yeah. (laughs) It's the douchiest thing out there. Yet, I've been... Proves that you were there, right? Proves that I was there. Yeah, I don't necessarily like it, but... Uh, but I want the results, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. you got to do those things that you, that, uh, you don't want to do to get the results. But what I was telling you on the phone earlier was it's like I meet with people every day, all day about, you know, saving money, becoming financially independent, securing their future, right? And a lot of the time I can tell people, it's like, I can tell you how to become a millionaire. It's like, I can't say you the word guaranteed, but I can give you a formula that is likely that will <laughs> lead you to being a millionaire, Right. And it's like, and it's not a difficult formula. It's a very straightforward formula if you have of the time. Millions of people, right? Followed by hundreds of thousands of, yeah, millions of people, right? But the hard part is following through on it. The formula itself is easy to become a millionaire. Following through on it is hard. So that's why I always tell people, it's like later on when I'm retired and I'm financially independent, please don't come to me and complain that you're not and that I had some privileges that you didn't because. I sacrificed a lot of things. I didn't take a lot of family vacations. I sacrificed a lot of stress that people didn't before to get to where I'm at. I mean, I know the same mm-hmm. truth for you, right? And that's true for anybody who has had or been in a position where they've had to truly sacrifice to get to where they are. I think sacrifice is often a... a negative word almost. Negative word, but it's also something that you can look back on with pride and say, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, I sacrifice going out and partying in order to get to where I'm yeah. going to be. Yeah, it's payment for what you, you have know. now. Yeah. Yeah, look at it as a toll. Mm-hmm. I have, I think, before we actually get into the specifics of a vision board and talk about everything on a vision board, I think there's two things that you have to commit to. The first thing is, do you have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset, right? So that fixed mindset, in my opinion, is that Things are the way they are. You mm-hmm. can't change them. You can earn this much money. Life happens to you. Life, you're a victim of the circumstances mm-hmm. that you were either born into or find yourself in at any given moment. Whereas a growth mindset is, I am where I am, but I know where I can get to. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to be successful despite the circumstances. And nobody's going to stand in my way. Nobody's going to stop me. And if they try, I'm going to, you know... I'm going to stand on that and I'm mm-hmm. going to get ahead of them type thing. And I know that sounds kind of ruthless, but if you have a fixed mindset, a vision board isn't going to fix anything for you. No. A vision board is a useless task. It might be a good stepping stone in, in the right direction. I mean, it, it, to, to shift your mindset into a way of thinking. It's like, you know what? Because uh, I meet with people, it's like, and I have one on here that's uh, a home down south on, on mine, right? Mm-hmm. Be it Phoenix or... Uh, Santa Barbara is the two that I have on here. People might look at that and say, you want a $1 million plus home in Santa Barbara? Like, yeah, I do. I really do. I think that would be fun. Most people can't even fathom the idea of a $1 million home here, right? But it's like, you're like, and there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to have that. Yeah. It's well, like, if I really want it. home in Santa Barbara is, like is one a cottage. One yeah, it's a tiny cottage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but the, even the idea of it, right? And it truly is like a... I look down there, and it's like a couple miles from the beach. It's like, yeah, you're one to one and a half for a two-bedroom, three-bedroom cottage. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, why shouldn't I have that, right? So I think the attitude you're talking about is, the well, why shouldn't I have that attitude? Or why can't my life be like that attitude? Yeah. So I would say that there's, before you even start putting a vision board together, first thing you have to figure out is why. What's your why? Yeah. Right? We've talked about that before. Simon Sinek has a book. There's uh, multiple TED Talks that he's done on mm-hmm. it. He's also in interviews like, hey, why are you doing what you're doing? What's your what's your number one end goal? And then you've got your how. Now we're going to map out how you get there. And then there's the execution. Because there are a lot of penniless people, and it's not all about wealth, but there's a lot of penniless people 
that think they would know what they would do if they weren't penniless if they were rich right yeah all of a sudden someone gives you 10 million dollars tomorrow but if you give them 10 million dollars tomorrow they'd be broken a couple of years and you see it all the time in the lottery there's the armchair quarterbacks that talk about you know the uncle rico thing <laughs> yeah. back in 82 i could toss this pigskin over that mountain your your why is where you start your how is what you put the most thought into yeah and then the execution is where 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 you earn it where you go and you yeah you put the blood and the sweat right what is it the rock says blood sweat and respect the first two are given the last one is earned well and i would say the vision board portion is in that why right and to help you remember why so it's not i mean that was an entire process of success i think that you just described mm-hmm. whereas the vision board and vision casting is in that why portion so identifying you know what is it that's meaningful to you is it your family is it you know i know somebody who likes to go out bird watching and take pictures is, is it time in nature you know, I know somebody that actually does that yeah and goes out and takes a lot of pictures He's actually a really good photographer and uh, hmm. really enjoys that. Or, you know, somebody is somebody that wants to just go play football, right? Or maybe they want to go, their grandkids are on the other side of the country. They want to go spend time with their grandkids more. Right? So what are the reasons why that you are going to drive you to accomplish these ultimate goals? And then what does it look like? And I think that's the vision board portion is the what does it look like? Mm-hmm. Not to be mistaken with the how you do it, but the what does it look like in terms of what does your life look like once you actually accomplish some of these goals, right? How are you living? And Absolutely. who's there and who are you? I mean, we talk about this. There's a story that I think I've shared before. I'll take a minute. Sorry, Stephen. And we were talking about with Tim, who came on the podcast. Tim Mitrovich, uh, who one of my colleagues, came on a while ago. But I don't think he shared this story on the podcast. But him and I were chatting in the office about this family uh, moved into a new house. And uh, the dad was a guy who was about vision boards, right? And so they're unpacking boxes in their new home, putting stuff away. And one of the little kids pulls out this old piece of paper. And it's the dad's old vision board. And the little girl's like, huh, Daddy, why is our new house on this vision board? So this is actually a true story. And the guy's like, what do you mean? Like, why, why, what do you mean why is our house on this vision board? And so it was actually the house that they had purchased was actually on his vision board from years and years ago. It's like, God, and so it was just talking about the, I, the power of vision casting and how it's like if you put it in your mind that like you sh- you're going to get this, it's like there's a much greater likelihood that you're actually going to get it. But I thought that was the craziest freaking story. So can I come back before, again, before we talk specifics of your vision board and the things that, that I desire, what would you say to somebody that said that's a bunch of hippy-dippy mental bullshit I just say they're a personality that doesn't identify with that fine I mean it's been scientifically proven but if that, I don't care <laughs> if I, I, that's what, I mean if you like it and it motivates you great if somebody else doesn't like it and it, mo- and it doesn't motivate them and they think you're hippy dippy tell them to pound sand I would say that mental health is so freaking important that this is a major part of mental health. If you don't know your why, if you don't know your how, if you don't know where you're going, if you have zero idea of where you want to be in five years, 10 years, 15 years, it's not to say that it plays out like that, but if you haven't given it a thought, if you're not at least casting forward and going, yeah, I would like to be a public speaker. I would like to you know, play professional sport or maybe I want to be on radio. Maybe I want to do something maybe I want to play golf at a higher level whatever it is if you're not projecting in all parts of your life whether that be work play and everything in between then does your life not seem like a little hollow yeah you know and it's you're literally saying the things that you want the things that you sit around and talk about with your friends oh wouldn't it be great if we could go to the mountains this weekend well you freaking can maybe not this weekend but you can certainly plan for it. If you start planning for it, yeah. if you start putting money aside here and there, if you do this. It, so I would say that your mental health is so dependent on having something bigger than the today. Mm-hmm. You want to win every day. You want to be great in, in this day. But you also want to be able to look forward and go, here's where I want to be in a year. I'm not so good at this. I'm going to work on that. I'm really great at this. So I want to give time back for that and show other people how to get there. And that's something else that's a big part of my personal vision is how much can I give back, right? And we talk about Dave Ramsey, and I know that some of his stuff doesn't 
necessarily work for other people and you know I think a hybrid approach is great but one of the things he always says is he wants to live and give like no one else Mm -hmm. and if you had a billion dollars how much do you think you would spend on yourself are you asking me that yeah I have absolutely no idea one billion dollars not even close to a billion dollars I don't think you could spend that much money on yourself no I always say it's like if I had that much money it's like I'd probably put 100 million in trust and just live off the interest of the 100 million which would be an absolutely incredible lifestyle yeah but then the rest it's like yeah I'm going to go and help everybody I can possibly help oh you can start a foundation I mean you can you can fund the city you can and I think that's kind of the uh this is why capitalism gets such a bad rap, right? It's like everybody thinks that capitalism is about getting as much money as you can, accumulating wealth and hoarding it. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case at all. I've never mm-hmm. met someone who's extremely wealthy, and I know a lot of people that are. I've never met someone that's extremely wealthy that is selfish. No. And this is interesting. This is an interesting point because I know it would seem, if we're talking, I'm not getting into politics here, but we're saying like, well, the rich don't want to have to pay for these systems, right? It's like, I think the rich don't want to be forced to do anything. They want to give their money where their heart leads them to give it. Mm-hmm. It's like, and they're usually incredibly generous in those areas too. I mean, again, I'm the finance chair for multiple boards. It's like, I get to see what people give and I know who they are and I know the type of money they make and they're generous. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the issue of being told where you have to give your money, right? If people don't believe in it. That so yeah I think people who think that the rich are not generous are probably just not familiar with the rich. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are the rich assholes? Absolutely. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they're not generous either, though. But I'm not talking about rich. I'm talking about wealthy. Yeah. You know the philanthropic work that so many wealthy people do can't be overlooked. So Ben, let's talk specifics about vision board then. So. Did you let's start with it? You actually have a vision board, or is it all kind of in your head? No, I have stuff written down. I, I don't necessarily do pictures. Okay, I write stuff down. Yeah, um, and I often come. I, mean, back I have to, some words on mine too. So it. I often come back to the the best damn sales book ever by Warren Gresh's, and I still don't know if you've listened to that. Um, it's I'm in. Not. It's in it's Audible. In, yeah, but he often says he he uses that lottery analogy. He's like, if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you spend it on? And people are like, uh, I don't know. And he always says the guy he has the most respect for is the guy that they ask in the gas station. And it's kind of a joke. He's like, the guy says hookers and cocaine. He's like, at least that guy knows what he's going to do with it. <laughs> he's yeah. like, if you, so then his point it's gonna is. going to literally blow through it. If you can't think about yourself being that wealthy, how are you ever going to be that wealthy That's and so be, funny. be successful, right? Laura and I play that game in the car. It's like, if you had a million, you know, $10 million tomorrow, it's like, what would you do? Like, would, yeah. would you still work? What would your life look like? I wouldn't work in the sense I work today. Yeah, me I would, either. I would, I would have endeavors. Mm-hmm. You know, there would be things mm-hmm. that I woke up. Yeah, I would still wake up at four a.m. every day, and I would still yeah. do my thing. And I mean, you look at, I mean, Oprah, you, you, the Miracle Morning. We talk about that. Yeah. Successful people, they don't have to work another day in their life, but they still choose to do it because without purpose, without that, hey, here's the greater purpose, and I want to give back, and all the rest of it. It kind of comes back to what we talked about. But yeah, he always, Warren Gresh's is always talking about the fact that if you can't think it, how can you achieve it? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about writing things down. And he says that a goal is a dream until it's written down with a date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's when I'd like to achieve this by. And he says, and you haven't failed if you haven't achieved it by that date. The date can be a sliding scale. Maybe you want mm-hmm. to do it by 2020, but you're not quite going to get there till 2022. That's still successful. You just... Well, and honestly, so the guy I sat down with, he asked me this question, like, well, is there dates associated with them all? Like, not all of them. Some of them I have dates and prices associated with Mm -hmm. them, which I want to spend. But some of it's just something you might be wanting to do in your life. Like, hey, in the next 10 years, I'd really like to go to Bali for two weeks or something or whatever, right? It's like, I'm not going to put a whole lot of stress on myself to like, oh my gosh, I got to get it done by this time. I need, you know, but I could if I really wanted to prioritize it and make Mm -hmm. that happen, right? Yeah. But yeah, I don't think the dates matter as much. And as they really need to sliding scale yeah and the email good. I discussed with you from uh, from a friend who yeah. wants me to do basically a retreat for, for her staff I'm struggling with it and I asked her to kind of define parameters and I said look I don't want to walk in and have 
give a presentation and then the next day you're dealing with five people leaving because that's essentially how I feel about your industry. And I won't say what industry it is, but I'm like, I want to give them purpose and I want to give them meaning. If I've got an hour to present to them... They might be gone. <laughs> literally, if, if I say the things that I want to say about vision boards and what, what I believe about taking risks, because a huge part of getting where you want to be is about taking risks, right? I moved to a different frigging country with no financial safety net and I think I'm doing all right. And I guess where I'm going with her is I need parameters so that I can then present in a way that isn't going to have your staff thinking, well, I really don't have a purpose in this gig because there's there's a ceiling to what they can do, you know? So specifics, your vision board. Yep. Talk to me about what's on there. Talk to me about how you plan on achieving it, how you, how you think. So let's say... One thing I wanted to say is vision, just like the dates are a sliding scale, I think things that you're passionate about in life come and go. Mm -hmm. So this is actually my second iteration of a vision board. A lot of the things are still the same, but I've added and removed some things, uh, mostly added. But as far as it goes, mine usually centers around uh, people I want to spend time with in places I want to be with those people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, who's there? And it's, you know, my wife and son and then any future family members and friends. And so, uh, I, I mean, I have gotten specific on some things and have pictures associated with them. I also have words on here like admiration, legacy, respect. It's like, I want to be admired for what I do. I want people just like, God, he really worked hard. He really cared about his clients and who's a good father, good husband, and really tried you know tried hard it's like and i don't think i mean i don't think people can this is a hard one right it's like mm-hmm. i want to be respected for trying hard and always trying to move forward in advance in every area of life in a holistic way so on mine i think i shared i've got uh, i'll go real quick i've got a house down south I've got acreage in a big old barn and what I want the barn to look like and where the acreage is and the price and how big the house would be. I've got uh, one goal is to do one flying vacation a quarter. And then I wrote down a couple places that I've never been that I'd like to go. So I've never been to Nashville. Haven't done time on the Florida coast, Chicago, Cape Cod. I want to do Nashville with you. I love it. I want to do a month in Europe uh, or, or live abroad for three months even. I have an old truck on here because I've always wanted an old C10, C20 type pickup. And that whole, and part of that I even wrote down here is the legacy, the car legacy, right? You know, you know, I love cars. Mm-hmm. So it's like to be able to have the money to fix up and restore and keep some of these old cars. And I've always wanted a community oriented business. So I've got a picture. You'd like this place. This place is called the Saloon in Ventura, California. I think I've been there. Seriously? And it's a super cool bar. And I want to open some community oriented business where you come and are interacting with people on a daily basis, right? So it's just being in community with people. And then I shared the, the wedding one with my son. And then I have one that's uh, just a picture of financial independence. It's the cross signs of financial independence. And I've got a dollar amount. I won't really tell you what it is on here. But I've got a dollar amount written down that I want by the age of 40. And it's enough to be financially independent. And because uh, then at that point, it's like... Fire, it's, right? Financially independent, retire early. Yeah, I'm the FI part is what I want. The financially independent. I don't necessarily want to retire early. Because like you kind of alluded to, that purpose, I think having a purpose outside is important. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a picture of a boat. A money pit? A money pit. <laughs> <laughs> a big old nice looking floating money pit. But you know, when I see a boat, what I see on that boat is like I see that out on the lake. With your family. A day at the sandbar, cooler of beer, kids are floating, we're out surfing behind it, we're having fun, right? So it's hard to put, you know... It's hard to beat something up like that. We're like, when I can buy good times with my family, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's pretty cool. So mine looks a lot like yours with... Minus the pictures. A lot more sport. Yeah, I'm sure. So I have a sports bucket list. And when we were talking about personal goals, I'd forgotten all about it. You know, we kind of beat each other up for not having personal goals. Yeah. I literally have a bucket list that includes some of the best sporting events in the world everything from the Kentucky Derby to World Cup finals to Wrestlemania to um, NBA finals Super Bowls did I say Super Bowl already? I don't know Um, I don't think so you know and I've knocked a lot off I want to go to every football stadium in the country I want to go to every baseball stadium in the country I want to go to a Stanley Cup final 
Jenna's going to appreciate that, by the way, even yeah. though I'm not a hockey fan. Did you just say her name? I did say her name. <laughs> um, you can edit that out later. Why would I edit it out? I don't know. Just because you wouldn't let me talk about it before. <laughs> Still a sensitive topic here. At the O2E headquarters. Not a sensitive topic. But Stephen, yeah. Stephen always goes against everything I say. Always. See? I just agreed with you. See? Just agreed with you. Proved you wrong. Oh, great. Um, but yeah, so lots of sporting events, lots of get-togethers with family to literally where, whether they can afford it or not, and my family does just fine, I can say, hey, I have a villa in Florida. I have a Airbnb in New York City. I have Hawaii, wherever. I hate going home. I want to bring them here anytime I want. Literally, I don't care about... <laughs> just no I'll pay for your flight I got the accommodation just get here bring the kids I want to see my nieces and nephews and brothers and mum and dad and all the rest of it Um, and I'll go home if I need to I just would prefer not to the financial freedom I think for you and for me is different in that I've always said we talked about when you interviewed me we talked about the money story right I've been there I've experienced what it's like to be paycheck to paycheck I've experienced what it's like to have zero money in the bank account after buying gas and groceries. And my financial independence is never having to be there again, never having to go, what the hell's in the cupboard? What the hell's in the freezer? Mm -hmm. Whose house can I go to and scrounge food off of? So yeah, it's a little different. I think your number's probably a lot bigger than my number to be able to be financially independent for the rest of my life because I I, I live much simpler than you do. I don't have kids yet. Obviously that might change. Yep. Um, you get married and have kids, your number might go up. <laughs> like, oh, oh, that's not enough. What the heck? But my lifestyle essentially wouldn't change. If if I earned half what I earn now, if I earned a quarter what I earn now, my lifestyle wouldn't change because I'd yeah. simply live now. I yeah, you wouldn't have to, to sell go, anything. But. Might not be able to go on the extravagant trips I go on. Might not be able to go see all the sporting events. I'm going to Lambeau Field this Thursday, by the way. Sweet. Thursday night football. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Um, so excited about that! My face Couldn't just, tell. My Couldn't face tell. just lit up, right? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, but yeah, I may not be able to do some of the more extravagant things I do, but essentially my day to day wouldn't change. So that's kind of where I'm coming at from it. And you know, maybe as things develop here, maybe I do have a family. Maybe I do have a wifey. Maybe I do end up being more inclined to go home and visit my mum and dad more often rather than have them come here multiple times a year but they're retired so they can do that they got the time make them travel plus this is the US of A man they need to come here my mum hates coming here does she really? I I say that I think she has fun when she's here I think a lot of people's mums are the same and that they're homebodies like she'll she'll tell me people are dead and I'm like mom I don't even know who that person is yeah you do you went to school with her niece and I'm like I don't even know who their niece is <laughs> right and they, they tell you things from the local newspaper and you're like okay sorry mum sorry mum I think I show interest when she's talking to me about it but yeah there's there's a lot of uh, did you was that a question I think I sh- I, th- I think I show interest in that. <laughs> <laughs> she's very she's very much a homebody and you know different. I think just from the, the the era she's from, different is bad as opposed to different being fun, you know. And I think my dad's kind of broken her of that a little bit in the last few years. They're going more vacations and they're doing different things in different places. And I think she's a little more open to it now. But I don't know my mum's ever stayed in a hotel or gone on a vacation where she hasn't got some kind of complaint um about something uh, and it's not she's not a negative person she's a super happy go lucky kind of person she'll make the best of situations but there's always something and i think that's a lot of people's mums right no uh, maybe not no <laughs> so but hey everybody's different she's human she's an individual <laughs> yeah everybody's different so it's hard to say one way or another you know so i i, I really have this in my head all day i'm listening to the newest malcolm gladwell book it's called Talking to Strangers. Talking to Strangers, okay. Yeah. It's, I'm only six chapters in. God, it's good. Yeah. Really good. And as you were talking... Stephen does a lot of driving, by the way, people, so he listens to books on... on I said books I'm, on tape, I but audible. I'm walking and I'm yeah. running off the phone and stuff. But there's a, this concept, and it's a Japanese concept, and I think okay. it was literally made for you. Oh, jeez. So the concept is wabi-sabi. 
Wabi Sabi. I already like it. W B I or W A B I S A B I. So Wabi Sabi. Wabi Sabi. So the thing with the thing with um, Japanese is literal translation translations are hard. So basically, the translation is that it's kind of old and new fused together, right? Okay. So you want the best, but you want it a little bit worn. So I'm going to read what it says here. So in traditional Japanese aesthetics, wabi-sabi is a worldview centered on the acceptance of transience and imperfection. The aesthetic is sometimes described as one of beauty that is imperfect, impermanent, and incomplete. Classic cars, your favorite jeans, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the old cars, I think Wabi Sabi is perfect for you. You <laughs> bought a house that wasn't brand new. You've got some yeah. things that you want to fix, but essentially you kept most of the aesthetic and um, the, what makes it appealing in the first place. You know, when you think about your favorite things, it's kind of that acceptance. Like Google, Apple, they're not Wabi Sabi. They're mm. like everything has to be new, perfect lines. Shiny. You know, and then this got me thinking about perfectionists, right? And the fact that perfectionists aren't about the pursuit of perfection they're about the pursuit of not being blamed for stuff right and that's how i look at a perfectionist yeah that's funny you know because for me it's like look i'm going to give it my best damn shot and if i come up short i know better the next time but a perfectionist will never step into the arena you know it's, it's like and again i won't say the name again but i'm kind of i'm always like people when you ask them to do karaoke they look a fear in their face and it's like no I can't I can't not in public I suck and it's like everybody does everybody does yeah. just do it just see the, last the only thing. way to get better is to do it right so plus it's karaoke it's not the point <laughs> I want you to look this concept up and I'd actually I know I've, I've shared some of these audiobooks with you listen mm-hmm. to this new Malcolm Gladwell book it is spectacular so far like I'm really into it and he t- his books just get me him Simon Sinek Seth Godin because the way they tell their stories is just this Wabi Sabi it's like this little um, collection of short stories it's like the one he's I've just stopped listening to it when I pulled up outside I'm right in the middle of learning stuff about Hitler and um, Neville Chamberlain and how they met before the first world war or second world war sorry and I'm like, God, I've done a lot of history. I've literally studied the Third Reich and had no idea that Neville Chamberlain had multiple meetings with Hitler. Adolf Hitler and how he had... Yeah, you just have to listen to this book. And Wabi Sabi so, is literally you because you love the old and the new kind this of This is perfect. Together. I'm back to the core. On Craigslist right now, <laughs> <laughs> there's a 1920 Chevy Cabriolet. So it's a four-door soft mm-hmm. top, right? For $120,000. And it is believed that Adolf Hitler rode in this car, and it's for sale out of freaking Spokane, and it's a Washington. No, Chevy Cabriolet. Wait, you think Adolf Hitler? The, was look at in the a ad. There's a posting. Okay. In it, and it says, and it tells you who it was purchased by. Was I can't it, remember the gentleman. Was it in Germany? It. Might have been at one point. But it tells you the general who originally purchased the car. It's like stuff like that. I'm like, that is freaking awesome. Like if you can get the history behind it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just different. Yeah. It's something that's, that's Wabi-Sabi. Like, so, yeah. Yes, Wabi-Sabi. It's, that's yeah. my freaking 1985 Chrysler LeBaron convertible that nobody would I always joke. It's like it takes a big man who's confident in himself to drive that car. Yeah. <laughs> 1985 LeBaron. It's different. It's weird. It would never be anybody's daily driver. Mm-hmm. Yet I love driving it. Well, if you wanted perfect, you'd walk in and get one right off the showroom floor, right? Well, and you know what? It's been totally redone. It's almost perfect. Here's, (laughs) but it's so different. Here's the thing: we talked about Apple and Google and how they're not wabi sabi, and everything is everything is such a strange term, and it's fun. Wabi sabi. It's so fun to say wabi sabi. Um, But we're on. We're literally just released the eleventh iteration of the iPhone. Yeah. So even though they release what they believe to be perfect, they're always trying to improve it. Yeah. And I think this kind of ties back to that. So is the iPhone 3 Wabi Sabi? Well, it is, yeah. Yeah, if you have the iPhone Wabi-sabi 3. Because yeah, because it's old. Until you say, hey, that's perfect and I can't improve it anymore, everything's Wabi Sabi. So if you've got 10.1, 10.2, right? Everything's always new. The prior one was Wabi Sabi. Yeah. So yeah, I was just... I, I don't know why I just I 
been so excited about Wabi Sabi all day, <laughs> and then it just kind of tied in with what we were talking about. Um, so and then the perfectionist thing, I genuinely believe that when someone's a perfectionist, so when you, and this is kind of talking about the vision board, when you're putting your vision board together, don't look for perfection. Yeah, throw some Wabi Sabi on there. And understand that in order to get to what your vision is, there's going to be a lot of failure. Uh-huh. Tons of it. And if there's not, you didn't aim high enough. Yeah. If it comes easily, yeah, you didn't yeah. you didn't run fast enough. And and this kind of ties in with something that I've also been thinking about over and over and over again for the last six months. That winning and not losing. And this when this podcast is released, it's going to be after our interview with Corey Jepson. So that was last week, right? We did yeah. that. And I wish I could have verbalized this at the time. Oh, yeah, in our discussion. Because he called me out for having this desire to be number one. If I'm not number one, I'm disappointed to an extent. It doesn't mean that I can't see little improvements and take take uh, positives from those small improvements. Uh-huh. But literally, I want to be the best at everything I do, whether it's playing golf, playing basketball, selling Heartland, you know playing tiddlywinks which is a game I have to introduce you to by the way Um, I I want to win I don't want to play that game with you that sounds wrong but I think winning and not losing are super different and a lot of people set out not to lose and they're not willing to take the risks on their vision board and then the execution of getting to the vision board because the fear of failure because there's that fear of failure so your vision board should literally be your wildest dreams fantasies adventures you know everything you've ever wanted to do and yeah guess what some of it might not be achieved in your lifetime but if you aim for it all and come up a little bit short which again is kind of cliche it sounds so cliche doesn't it and kind of remember the quote remember the quote that you and tyler made fun of me for that i have on my coffee cup no aim for the moon because even if you miss you'll land amongst the stars yeah but it's true also on this i we, I, we didn't think this was going to be a long one, did we? And we're... Uh, well, I figured it'd be about 45 minutes. Yeah, we're 45 minutes in now, yeah. give or take. I made some notes on something, and I don't know what I was listening to. I'm always listening to shit. Well, we can wrap it up here soon then, if you made notes. Um, but this... I think these are my words, actually. I just heard something, and I was like, I need a way to verbalize this, and I thought about it, and I made these notes. I talk to my phone all the time. Me so too. when I'm listening to books, I'll pause and I just make these little yeah, voice notes. Note. And like, if other people look at them, they'll think I'm a friggin' maniac. <laughs> but this was from, uh, I think quite often, coming back to the fixed and growth mindset, when people in their career, so your career should be part of your vision board, right? Mm-hmm. What you want, where you want to start, where you want to be in the middle and where it's you want to be It's kind of a big end. part of your life, so. So you spend a lot of time at work. If you don't, lucky you, but you know, to be successful at most things, you're going to have to work. Yeah. I kind of came up with this where you're given authority, right? Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. get a title. I can say, hey, Ben, you're Stephen's boss today. And you're my boss for two years. Doesn't mean that you're good at it. Doesn't mean that you're better than me. Doesn't mean that I'm worse than you or better than you. But you're given authority by someone, right? It's then on you to take responsibility. At that point, take responsibility for your actions, for the people that you are supposed to care about and and lead or not. Maybe it's taking responsibility when you're not the leader because you can always lead whether you are the leader or not. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is that respect is earned, not given or taken, right? The only way I can earn your respect is to day in day out give you what you need physically emotionally as a friend give you guidance when you need it give you um counsel when you need it you know and sometimes just just give support. you nothing yeah you know? just be there just be there so i think somehow yeah, so authority is given responsibility is taken and respect is earned. I like it. I like it. Good stuff. And I think if you if you approach your vision board with that in mind, with your career and even your personal life, like those three things are so prevalent across so many different walks of life, then 
you can be successful. Um, I like it. Tim had a good analogy, and it was it. It came out in our last uh, weekly commentary. That I don't know if you watched the video. I haven't watched last week. So watch watch it because it's interesting. He talks about the fishbowl, and we talked about this from a financial standpoint. But I'm like, God, that metaphor applies to so many things in life. Is, is the idea how a goldfish grows to the size of its fishbowl, right? And in, in our conversation, it, the fishbowl is your financial bucket, basically, and how people grow to the size of their financial bucket to spend, right? Mm-hmm. But the people who we've seen who are the happiest are those that have the space, a little space in their fishbowl to be able to swim, a little bit of a buffer, right? It's like, And that applies in life, too, it seems like, right? If people just keep on soaking up everything and, and, and just kind of being a sponge in a negative way not a positive way from my education but it's like you just aren't very happy it's like if you give yourself a little space to enjoy things it's like you're a hell of a lot happier yeah have you ever heard the rabbi talk about this no he talks about a lobster yeah and i I won't do it as eloquently as him but i'll show you the video at some point lobster will grow cast off its shell and then grow another shell it casts off its shell when it's uncomfortable, when it's too when too it's, snug, it's too big yeah. and the shell's too small, so it casts it off, climbs under a rock to try and stay safe, and then essentially grows another shell, and then it does that multiple times throughout its life until it's fully grown. The catalyst for growth is discomfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In life, we try and take away discomfort as much as we can for kids, for spouses. And we really do. I mean, you know, you get a sore head, you take a pill. Well, maybe you're just dehydrated, drink a pint of water, right? So I guess the overarching theme of that, similar to what you were talking about, is that discomfort, getting outside your comfort zone, is a catalyst for growth. And by medicating, by not to say that you shouldn't take medicine if you're sick, but, you know, unnecessarily medicating, by taking away discomfort from kids, whether it be... I'm going to go and speak to the teacher for the kid instead of having the kid go and speak to the teacher themselves. But anyway, that's what you just made me think of. And I'll cool. show you the video. Yeah. The way, like yeah, I said, yeah, it's yeah. not quite as eloquent as how he put it, but basically discomfort is a catalyst it. for growth. Totally. Well, that's failure is, is a stepping stone to growth, right? Same idea. Yeah. It's like if you're not willing to fail, then you're not willing to grow because it's going to take a lot of failure to get to a point of success. Um, so that was we a good could, note to leave it on. A, yeah, we could probably yeah. talk about this for longer, but... I think it's a good way to leave it. I think if you really do want to do a vision board, Ben's is great. I'm willing to sit down and chat with anybody about this. I love talking about goals. I love projecting yeah. goals. And well, and sharing of, your goals motivates you. And finding that way to help other people get there. Mm-hmm. I think that is funny. Someone that I'm spending a lot more time with just now, not in a relationship way, by the way, keeps on pointing out that I'm very kind, which is kind of counter <laughs> to what I said a couple of weeks, like a couple of podcasts ago kind in a in a really unusual way kind of and I, i'm really confused by it but oh, i know i'm like interested to know where you're going this with is, this this isn't a humble brag but what i'm saying is that i think i definitely have the desire and the willingness to help yeah i'm not the hey fuck off and figure it out on your own kind of person sorry we just made this explicit i thought we were good up to this point i know you just had um, to get it in there didn't you um, you know somebody contacts me or somebody says hey what do you think about this Quite often they're going to get an opinion and they're going to get more than just an opinion but a willingness to, hey, let's let's continue this. Let's get coffee next week. Let me help you. And I think that's something that we can probably develop this podcast to to where we're helping more people. Probably. Um, well, it's that servant leader mindset, right? Yeah, I, hate, like we that. Say, I hate that term. I well, think it's so overused. You, I was going to say, you hate it just because it's other people are using it. Anything that somebody uses that, that is... Okay, Overused. That was air quotes with that. Stephen doesn't like the people that are using it that I know that aren't servant leaders that are very deficient in servant. Yeah, leadership. they just tainted the word for you. Yeah, it's tainted. I don't like the term. I love the concept. So well, and that's what we need to buy into. Is the concept? Yeah. But. So like okay. us on social medias. On the social medias, Facebook, Instagrams, Facebook. Ordinary yep. to Extraordinary, O two E Journey. Do you always say it without the the. The Facebook? The Facebook, the Instagram, the Google, Why the interwebs. Because I'm English? What, what are you talking You're about? You're really not with that name. Clunt? Clunt is 100% German. It is German. 
but I was but born yeah, here, so I'm American. If you can, rate us on the iTunes, give us a star review or star rating. If you want to write a review, that would be wonderful. That'd be awesome. And Share us with your friends. Yeah, thanks for listening. And until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom. Yeah.